great stories from amazing people. Conversations from the Marsh at Podcast Alley. This is Sports and More with Dean Millard. The Foo Fighters, okay, so it, yes, it's Taylor Taylor Hawkins. The very first band that he was, touring band that he was in, was mine. I was looking for a drummer, and we were looking everywhere. I was living in L.A. at the time. We were looking everywhere, 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 asking people. And all of a sudden, uh, the guy that I was working with, Stevie, his masseuse in San Diego said, well, there's this kid that I know who's really killer. And so we go, oh, we might as well just give it a shot. He arrived, and the kid gets out of the car, out of his old Toyota truck, and he was just so wonderful as a human being right off the hop. And he was like 22 at the time. Uh, uh, we instantly adored him. He auditioned. He, he was so full of enthusiasm that he was playing every song at about a thousand miles an hour, but we knew that that could be worked on and figured out. And he was just such a delightful human being and a really talented human being, obviously. And it was like, yeah, we're going to, that's the guy. We'll, we'll, we'll take him. And I have, and he toured with me for like a year. We, we toured in Europe and all through the States and Canada. And um, it was obvious the whole time. I will say to you this, the whole time we all knew that Taylor was going places. Something, he would, he was definitely going to be something. You know what I mean? <laughs> That is the voice of uh, Canada's Queen of Rock, Sass Jordan, uh, who is joining me on episode 50 today. Thank you very much for everybody joining me on episode 50 of Sports and More. Yes, indeed. We are going to have a lot of fun. My name is Dean Millard. Almost anything goes on sports and more. And uh, we're going to talk a lot of music today. This is the the part where I'm really loving the and more portion of uh, sports and more. So we are going to uh, talk music and we are also going to uh, celebrate Canada Day, uh, which comes out tomorrow. I'm recording this on uh, June 30th. So uh, we're going to celebrate Canada Day with Canada's Queen of Rock, Sass Jordan, uh, from uh, the national anthem that she's uh, taken a run at. And not everybody can pull off the national anthem. Her new album, Rebel Moon Blues, is an awesome, cool blues album. We're going to discuss live concerts in the future. Uh, for somebody who relies, does you know what does she envision her future concerts being? Uh, and also, what were her Canadian music influences? It's also the 25th anniversary of her album Rats, which was a Juno-nominated album. And I picked her brain about the writing process. I'm always interested in in how something gets done from A to to Z, uh, from start to finish. You know, it's it's you know different when you're talking about an, an athlete all the time of you know when they started training, but when when an artist is writing for an album, what that process is like. And we're gonna finish with uh, Sass Jordan doing. Canadian Female Artist Word Association. Some of the best Canadian female artists. What word comes to mind for Sass Jordan? 
Our top three is our favorite Canadian artists and bands. Uh, so I'll want to hear from you. I'll get into more details of that. Our, uh, our poll question is your favorite SCTV actor. Both of those brought to you by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. And in perfect player today, we are doing Canadian goalies. So I'll tell you all about that as we roll along in the show. But uh, I do have something very important to say. This is a serious message. Yes, it is indeed a a serious message, uh, Mr. Star, because we have to give you our weekly tribute. And that's where I just want to highlight somebody or something or or whatever, uh, anything really that just I think is uh, is bang up. And uh, we had friends of ours uh, tell us recently that their daughter came out to them and they were so overjoyed. Um, And this is a tribute to all of the families who react with love and kindness when their son or daughter comes out. Any family member, really. On this last day of Pride Month, it's a tribute for those families. I can't imagine how much of a relief it would be for for a son or a daughter uh, to hear his mom or his dad say, I don't care, I love you anyway. You know, you're my son or my daughter. And on the flip side, I don't know how you live with a, a, the, the, a parent saying the opposite if they do. And that's unfortunate that's out there. And, and hopefully, you know, one day we're changing a life at a time and, and convincing somebody that this is your son or daughter. So anyway, a tribute to those families who react with love and kindness when their uh, son or daughter or brother or sister or whatever uh, comes out. So on this last day of Pride Month, that is the weekly tribute. All right, let's get to the action. Our top three brought to you by Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Uh, I've been telling you this. I love fantasy sports. I am so excited that baseball and hockey and and, and some of these, I don't don't know if it's all going to happen. You know, Hub City, Vegas, not sounding very good with some COVID uh, cases piling up. Basketball players are testing positive, but you know, something is going to happen. Sounds like Major League Baseball for sure is going to go. I think the NHL will go. So that means fantasy sports are back, particularly hockey. And fantasy sports are the best thing ever. Like, I, I, I love them. I, I watch sports so much differently now that I'm involved in fantasy. And it's even more realistic than ever with the ultimate franchise fantasy sports. So there's only 31 teams. If you didn't get one in the auction... Well, you can try to buy one from an owner, but we do have a redraft coming up for some of those teams that did buy a franchise and some of the teams that threw their teams back in, like myself. So that's coming up. It's exciting. We have playoffs, just like the NHL with the play-in. So if you don't get on the auction, as mentioned, you can buy a team. You can also become a scout, and we're going to have a lot more information about this program as we go. Uh, You can also find a lot more about it on tracking the draft with Craig Button, which comes out this uh, Thursday, Uh, but the scouting program is cool. You literally can scout prospects that will end up in this fantasy league and make side money. It's so wild and so genius. So you can get more information at www.uffsports.com. In this format, you own the game, so get in to the game. So our top three today is your favorite Canadian bands or artists. Yeah, we are going back to uh, the record days uh, for mine anyway, because uh, I am uh, I- I'm pretty excited about uh, Canadian musicians. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Indeed, I can dig a Canadian 
artists. So my top three, and I was included in honorable mention. My honorable mention is the Flower Pots, and and this was a band of you know friends of mine had when we were growing up. You know, one of my best friends was their drummer. His older brother was the guitarist, and uh, you know one of their friends was the bassist, and and I loved it. I just you know we would go to their little shows that they had at the clubs, and um, I don't know if I ever watched them outside of Brandon, but you know the highlight was them having a music video for a song "Fun Stuff" on MT or Much Music, <laughs> not not MTV, but yeah. So we thought that was cool. Anyway, so that's my honorable mention because that was a great a Brandon Manitoba band. Uh, for me, number three is the band. And, I, you know, I didn't know for a long time that these guys were Canadian. You know, I, I knew that they had an, a connection to Bob Dylan. And I thought, well, I don't know why Bob Dylan would hook up with a bunch of Canadians. But the band is amazing. I highly recommend watching The Last Waltz. Uh, it's a, a concert that they did. And it was their final concert, basically. And Martin Scorsese, who was such a fan, uh, did a huge documentary on it. And then there's tons of guys that make appearances and gals. And, and Emmylou Harris is there. Uh, Neil Young, Neil Diamond. I mean, uh, the list goes on. Ronnie Hawkins. Uh, there's so many people. And, of course, Joni Mitchell is there as well. Uh, so the band is uh, number three for me. Uh, Levon Helm's voice, one of the best out there for me. Uh, you know, his, his voice on the weight and... And the night they drove old Dixie down is just uh, just hauntingly awesome. Uh, so the band is uh, number three for me. Number two is Joni Mitchell, who appears on uh, The Last Waltz. Um, just amazing. You know, she wrote Woodstock, the song about going to Woodstock, and couldn't go there because she had another gig, and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young went and, and made the song famous. And... Um, you know, she just has such a, a, a lovely, lovely sounding voice and, and such an inspiration to so many other Canadians. And Sass Jordan is going to speak about, um, you know, in word association about Joni Mitchell a little bit later. And Neil Young for me is number one. Um, I, I absolutely love him. Again, he's got a different voice. It's not for everybody. Um, and he stands up for what's he, what he believes in. Uh, Southern Man, he wrote about you know, the Southern states racism and how they've treat, how they treated and, and are still obviously treating and, and, you know, we're still fighting for, for black lives and black lives matter. And, and, and don't give me all lives matter. Yes, of course, all lives matter. But, you know, during breast cancer month, nobody says, no, Hey, what about colon cancer? So yeah, let's, we need to focus on black lives be right now, because as you're watching on damn YouTube and Twitter and whatever, people are dying uh, at the hands of racists. So definitely, and Neil Young was standing up for that then and now. And what I don't like is, um, listen, Neil Young has also uh, criticized the oil sands. And, and that's his right. Like that is, you know, 100% his right of, you know, what he is wanting to stand up for. So I... What I don't like is when I throw out on social media that I'm a big Neil Young fan and he stood up for racism with this song. I get complaints about Neil Young's opinion on the oil sands. Am I hot? Yeah, I'm hot. That's a crock of crap. It, listen, does he agree with the oil sands? No. Do I agree with him on that? No. Do, am I burning his records? No. My, one of my best friends works in the uh, oil industry. He's been to two Neil Young concerts with me. You don't have to, like, listen, if Neil Young did something totally uh, uh, like uh, terrible and atrocious and 
I can't, I don't know what I'm thinking, but there, there are limits where I will be like, okay, I'm not going to support this artist because they like, okay. If an artist supports the KKK, that's a guy I'm not supporting. If an artist disagrees with the oil fans, oil sands rather. Okay. Let him have his opinion. I love the Wolf of Wall Street. If I didn't, if I took this stance, I would never watch any DiCaprio movie. So you can still like the artist and not agree with everything they stand for. So sorry about the rant, but it just pisses me off when people, you, you mentioned Neil Young and, and anything. And then the first thing they bring up is, yeah, you know, like that, that's just a, an immaturity showing. You could dislike him. That's fine. But I don't have to dislike him because he disagrees with your opinion. So anyway, that's my top three. End of rant. I want to hear your top three. Hit me up on Twitter at Duck Millard with what your top three favorite Canadian bands or artists are. I'm going with the Flower Pots as my honorable mention. The band, number three, Joni Mitchell, number two, and Mr. Neil Young, who spent a lot of time in uh, Winnipeg. I think he went to Kelvin High School. You can get more details on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports platform, by the way, at www.uffsports.com. Before we get to Sass Jordan, I want to tell you about Podcast Alley. It's where you can find everything you need when it comes to podcasts. We'll have one-timers with Sass coming out later, talking to the music, tracking the draft with Craig Button. Starts this Thursday. I'm really excited about working with Craig and looking at the uh, National Hockey League draft. And we'll also have Leaf Unseth from the Canadian Cannabis Exchange on the Cannabis 101 podcast, uh, an interesting part of the cannabis industry that we will be exploring. We're going to take a bit of a break with the Prospects Baseball Show, but there might be something baseball-related popping up on Podcast Alley in the next little while. So check it all out, podcastalley.ca. Uh, we got you covered with one-timers. We will have Track in the Draft with Craig Button. we got all your cannabis needs if you want that as well all right sass jordan on the other side of the bio time for the bio sass jordan was born in birmingham england and at the age of three her family moved to montreal quebec where she grew up in her teenage years she started singing with bands at various clubs in the city and her single in 1988 tell somebody from the album of the same name was a hit it led to the juno for the most promising female vocalist in 1989 just this march her ninth studio album was released entitled rebel moon blues and her Juno-nominated album, Rats, just turned 25. She has acted in productions such as Love Janice, The Vagina Monologues, and was a judge on Canadian Idol. She's also taking a run at our national anthem. Sass, it is wonderful to be able to talk to you, especially as we near Canada Day. Uh, you are Canada's Queen of Rock, and you are rocking the national <laughs> anthem right now. Yeah, man. I, t I love the national anthem. I love singing it. It's just such a, I don't know, it's like it has this energy in it. You know, it's the history of your country, basically, in an anthem, right? So it's like, I mean, the history in the sense of it's been sung at so many historical events, 
in, in, in the life of a country. So it takes on this amazing energy that you can really feel if you, if you sing it from your heart. You know what I mean? It's, it, and I love this country. I love Canada. So it makes me happy to sing it. Oh, that is wonderful. You know, it's interesting. You know, I've I covered sports my whole life, and I would s- listen to a lot of anthems at a lot of different sporting that, events. And you can course. easily mess up the anthem. Uh, you can go too fast, and you can go too slow. And we sometimes we would actually rate anthems in the press box. That's how bored we were covering some of the teams <laughs> that, that weren't very good. But um, is there is it ever intimidating to sing something like the national anthem because you don't want to be on those YouTube videos of like. Roseanne Barr and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's probably one of the most terrifying things you can ever do because you have to sing it a cappella, usually. Uh, so you can't hide behind anything. And God forbid you should screw up the words. And with our national anthem, it's a bit tricky because when I was a kid, the words were one thing. Then, uh, by the way, I sang the wrong words at an L.A. Um, Oh, what's the name of that hockey team? LA, LA, LA Kings. Kings. Yeah. LA Kings game in Los Angeles. I, I sang the words I had learned as a child and right. discovered. <laughs> Luckily, it was before cell phones. It was in the 90s. I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, and everybody's like, um, the words are different now. And I'm like, and P.S., they changed them again. So, yeah. you know, I had to make sure I, you have to make sure you're singing the right ones. But uh, I it, I went to the official Canada site to make sure I have the right one. And also, you've got to sing, you know, part of it in French. That's right. And rightly so. Yeah. So it's extremely intimidating. And also, usually your audience is like 60,000 people who are waiting for the game to start. Right. And they just want you to get on with it. And so you have to, but if you sing it, with some kind of heart and feeling and you actually mean it, it's amazing how people will respond to it. It really is. It really makes a difference. I sang the Canadian national anthem and the U S national anthem, which is another piece of work. I'll tell you what, at, at, um, uh, at, uh, Madison square garden in New York, the year after nine 11, for a hockey game, New York and and a, and a Canadian team. Well, of course, I do. <laughs> I don't know. It was Canadian. Anyways, but yeah, and it that was insane. People were crying. It was screaming my name. Like it was intense. You know. So there's a there's a lot of weight and energy and intensity. Uh, in an anthem and it's a very very powerful thing and if you if you do it properly it's amazing how moving it can be a hundred percent uh it's certainly yeah. uh you know re- in different memories uh for different people and and you can find the uh, national anthem uh, at uh, sasjordan.com where you can also find rebel moon blues so i i listened to this album and i just loved the sound of your voice as you got into this uh what made you want to put out a blues album well i think it was just time first of all it was time that's why i said yes because it it it, uh originally i was resistant to the idea 
because it just seemed like, oh God, everybody's doing it. But then it was like, you know what? But it is so much a part. The blues is so much a part of what I've been doing for the past 50,722 years. And I feel that I am now at a level of maturity that I can actually sing some of these songs and not feel like an interloper or somebody who's trying to do something, you know, that isn't really in their wheelhouse or doesn't have the life experience to back it up. And now I do. And it's, it's such an, an amazing sensation of freedom and it's so much fun. And I love this music. I mean, come on, you know, so it just, it just, it works perfectly for me. Hmm. It's interesting to hear you kind of say that you, you felt you were ready after so much success that you have to still, you know, it shows the kind of the respect I think that you have uh, for, for the music itself. And, and, and what was the process of selecting the songs like? That was actually really easy because it's almost like the songs just appeared on my radar on their own. You know, it was like, yo, do me, do me, do me. And I mean, uh, I didn't really, well, cat, the cat just lay right on my phone, but you're still there. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, okay. (laughs) Cat, what a piece of work they are, you little mother. (laughs) Okay, so I love, I love cats. So, uh. Yeah, it was it, so I didn't really have to go looking for them. It it was like I would hear it on the radio. I'd be you know driving somewhere and I hear a, the song, one of the songs, and it would be like, okay, that's one of them. Let's, I, I want to try that one. And um, Chris Cadell, my guitar player, one of my guitar players, um, sent one of them to me and said we should try this. And it was like, yeah, yeah, it just it just flowed. And, and and I I think that's uh, when when you're doing something different or or new to you um, that excitement just kind of probably builds once you once you kind of said like yeah I'm I'm gonna do this and it's new um, uh, everything you do is exciting right it's different than maybe something yeah. you, you did with a different album and and that's kind of the exciting part I would imagine. You're so right. That's exactly right. And also, <clears throat> it just suits my band you know the, the the band that i have right now it's just they're just so great at this stuff you know it just it everything made sense at this point it just it all sort of dovetailed and then the actual making of it just again it was just a complete flow it just happened with such ease and such grace and it was so much fun as you may have discerned by now my main mandate in life is to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're going to die. So what the hell? You might as well have fun before, before you go there. What do you think live concerts are going to be like, uh, moving forward? Um, you know, all, every artist has been affected by this and will be affected by this. Um, you know, are, are the venues going to be cut in half? Uh, is it just going to be more intimate, intimate performances? What, what's your, what are you eyeing up as you look to the future? Yeah, that's, that really is the million-dollar question right now, isn't it? Because, I mean, for so many artists, for so many of us, that's the, like our sole source of income, you know, relative to 
to music. I mean, it's it's really, and not just the artists. I mean, think about you know all the crews and everything that goes into doing a concert. You know, all of that just got wiped out. So as far as going forward, who the heck knows? I'm not personally interested in you know doing concerts where there's five people because there's only room for that many people to mm-hmm. be eight or whatever, how many feet apart and all. It's just to me, that's not, that's not what a concert's about, you know? And until I can do it, until I can actually do a concert the way concerts are supposed to be, which is a communal gathering of people, like-minded people together, enjoying something together and celebrating something together like that, I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? It's just not, that's not in the cards for me. It's like doing online shows. I, by the way, I have nothing against anyone doing that. Sure. It just doesn't feel right for me at this time. You know, eventually I might change my mind, but right now that just doesn't feel right. As far as going forward, well, we're all, you know, got our fingers crossed. We're just... uh what else can you do? Yeah. I wish I had a fabulous answer for this, but I really don't. We're all playing the waiting game, uh, really, exactly. really I mean, with it's, this. It's, yeah, it's, it's sports too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's anything, any kind of, you know, and humans are communal creatures. We need each other, yeah. you know? And yeah, we, we need, need that to social be aspect, yeah. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about the first, um, I guess, you know, big venue you played the first, like, wow, I can't believe I'm playing this place. And, and maybe the, uh, you know, the, the pre-concert nerves that you may, may or may not have had. I don't know. Do you, do you get nervous before a concert? No, I, not usually. I, I usually don't. Um, on occasion I have, I'm, the reason I usually don't is because I trained myself at a very young age not to have it, but occasionally it still happens, but it happens in the weirdest of circumstances. Like it has nothing to do with the, um, with the size of the venue. Sometimes <laughs> like it could be a tiny venue and all of a sudden I'm like, ah, what am I doing? <laughs> and, but you know, 60,000 people, no problem. It's almost easier when there's a lot of people because it's, it's, you're not seeing individuals as much, although you always see, you know, in the first, in the first couple of rows, but the first big venue that I played, ah, you know what, again, that goes back so far, that I'm not entirely, I think it was, I remember playing the Montreal forum, which is Mm. long since defunct. I mean, that's been gone for, you know, past 25 million years. So, but it was a huge thing for me when I was growing up in Montreal because that's where all the bands that I wanted to be played, right. you know? So I remember playing there, but it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was, I think I was singing with the box. I think that's the first time I ever played a huge uh, arena type show was with the box. And I mean, it was just incredibly exciting and incredibly fun you know, to be on a stage in this, in this hallowed hall that I, you know, grew up just 
saying, one day I'm going to be there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the greatest yeah. thing when you can, when you can, you know, um, you know, perform where your idols perform. Do you have a yes. favorite venue, big or small, that you just love playing at? Wow. Wow. That is a solid question. Or a few of them. Um, well, there's one that we just play at, that we just played in the beginning of the year with the Bowie celebration tour um, in San Diego, California, called the Belly Up huh. Tavern. And it's just this old, dingy place, but it's so storied, you know, the same kind of thing. And there's another place uh, that I haven't played in a thousand years. And of course, now I can't think of the name of it, so never mind. <laughs> uh, big, big places. There, it you know what? It really just depends on the vibe of the crowd. Sure, yeah, you could be anywhere, right? Place. Yes, there's a great place in the Netherlands that I love playing into, uh, and of course, can't think of the name of that either right now. But you know, that's because I just don't have the memory for these. We've played so many; they all they kind of go it's together true, for though, sure. I, it really. I can see it clearly in my head, but that's not going to do much good for anybody listening, is it? <laughs> well, we don't have that technology developed yet, but not that's yet. that's probably exactly. coming at some point. Maybe we do. Well, we're ce- <laughs> we're celebrating uh, Canada Day, and later on, we're going to get to we're going to do a little word association with some Canadian uh, female artists. But who are some of the art Canadian artists in general that influenced you uh, to to follow a career path in music, and then you know maybe you looked up to, or maybe maybe helped you along? the way man or woman oh canadian artist um that i loved okay so when so in my very young years before i was actually playing in bands i loved april wine yeah because they were from montreal that's not why i love them but you know that's i knew them i because they played locally a lot so i i so april wine um, obviously the big ones that don't even seem that Canadian to me anymore, like Neil Young mm-hmm. or uh, Joni Mitchell. You know, to me, they're pretty much American at this point. But you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, and the thing is, is, I never really looked at them as if as if they were Canadian or American or mm-hmm. British. Or, it, they were just, you know, I love this music. I love this music. It didn't really... I never really thought about it as a nationality type of thing, you know? That's actually um, good. It, uh, That's actually a good thing yeah. because sometimes we yeah. we we have to, you know, and, and around Canada Day, I think it's great that we puff out our chest, but when you can just think of a, like, I'll, I'll be honest, and t- until a while, I didn't know the band was Canadian, and I'm like, holy macaroni, that's amazing. I, I And I oh. didn't, and I didn't look at them as just being Canadian. I looked at them as a great band because there I didn't know, right? Exactly. But by the way, you just named the band right. that made me want to do this. And the band is the band that made me want to do this. First first song I ever heard in my life that was uh, what would be termed popular music was my brother and I discovered you could change the dial on the radio and instead of the classical music that we'd heard our whole lives coming out, we heard drums and guitar and the very first song was the night they drove a dixie down wow. by the band and i went that's what i'm gonna do i'm doing that 
Levon Helm's voice oh is so amazing. Oh and he played drums oh. at the same time. I mean, that guy is just, yeah, that band. That, oh. we, we were talking about The Last Waltz. And, and, and if, you, if you watch it, it's, it's out there. You can watch it on video. It's amazing. The final concert and the interviews that Scorsese did. And um, oh. it's just, I, I recommend it to any music fan because it's, there's so many other great stars too. Emmy Lou Harris is there and Neil Young and Neil Diamond. Dr. It's just amazing. John. Yeah, Dr. Dr. John, John, yeah. One of my childhood idols as well. Dr. John, yes. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah it's, it's amazing that we have that connection. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have a great connection to the Foo Fighters. Can you tell us the, uh, the connection that led to you being on stage? The, the Foo Fighters, okay, so it, yes, it's Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. Right. The very first band that he was, touring band that he was in, was mine, and we. It was just a happy bunch of events that occurred. That ended. I was looking for a drummer, and we were looking everywhere. I was living in LA at the time. We were looking everywhere, 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 asking people. And all of a sudden, uh, the guy that I was working with, Stevie, his masseuse in San Diego said, "Well, there's this kid that I know who's really killer. He's amazing. You should really, you should definitely." definitely audition him and we had been to a bunch of people and nobody was right and so we go oh, we might as well just give it a shot and he drove up from Laguna Beach where he was living and he arrived and the kid gets out of the car out of his old Toyota truck and he was just so wonderful as a human being right off the hop and he was like 22 at the time uh, we instantly adored him. He auditioned. He he was so full of enthusiasm that he was playing every song at about a thousand miles an hour. But we knew that that could be worked on. And, figured <laughs> out. and he was just such a delightful human being and a really talented human being, obviously. And it was like, yeah, we're gonna. That's the guy. We'll we'll take him. And I have. To, and he toured with me for like a year. We toured in Europe and all through the States and Canada. And um, it was obvious the whole time. I will say to you this, the whole time we all knew that Taylor was going places. Something, he would, he was definitely going to be something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, the last show of the tour, I was opening for Steve Perry. We did a, we did like a three month tour with Steve Perry and the last show of the tour, we had a, uh, a show in L.A. And my manager at the time said, my friend who's managing this gal, she's a singer from Canada, they're going to come watch the show because this is your last show, so you're not going to be doing anything for a while. And they're wondering if maybe they can use some of your band members. <clears throat> and do you mind? And I was like, of course not. Absolutely. I mean, that's how they make a living. These guys, I'm right. definitely taking a, a hiatus for sure. I've been on the road nonstop, you know, I'm done. And so they came and they hired, it was Alanis Morissette. Nobody had heard of her in the States at that time. I hadn't because I lived in the States. None of us knew who the heck it was, but they were all like, this is the next big thing. And, um, they hired Nick Lashley and Taylor Hawkins. And that's how Taylor started his, uh, after me, that was his next step. And then, on, then he, then he ended up with Dave 
Mm. So it, that, it was just like amazing. Yeah. It, it is so amazing. You know, that's, that's kind of like paying it forward, right? You're helping out another uh, Canadian artist and then Taylor gets uh, that step. And, and, yep. and I've, I've seen him quoted saying like, you were his first uh, paycheck and he learned about yeah. <laughs> life on the road. And, and then it leads yeah. you to, to being on stage with the Foo Fighters. And, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to see Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters and uh, a couple of times. And, and the one thing I will notice about him, he, he puts on a show like it's your first concert or his first concert or something like yeah. it's, it's just like it's every time I've seen he's him and fabulous. I've seen him on video he just gives it his all so you know t- I, yeah. you know he was also in one of the biggest bands in the world in Nirvana so what was that yeah. moment like yeah. being on stage with him and them uh, it was amazing because at first you know getting to play with Taylor like we hadn't we haven't been on the same stage together you know since the 90s right. since that last show you know so it was like it was just, it was amazing. It was absolutely, and the best part of it, though. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm such a fool sometimes. <laughs> he had called me, that, he called me that afternoon. He goes, yes, we're in town, we're playing. Can you come to the show? And I'm like, Taylor, that means I have to drive, because I live in the country. I have to drive to the city. I have a show tomorrow night. I'm opening for Rod Stewart on the rack in this land and I have to get my stuff together and I love you dearly but I just I can't I'm, and he goes come on come on man come on you gotta I want you to sing a song with us Dave said come and sing a song with us and I'm like Taylor oh my god I don't want to he goes I'll, I'll send a car to come get you, you, you uh, go to the hotel because I was staying at the hotel the night before yeah uh, I was staying at an airport hotel because we had to leave at the crack of dawn to get to Newland, Newland to do the show with Rod, and um, and uh, he, so I, so Taylor goes, I'm gonna, I'll send a car to the hotel. We'll pick you up. You'll come sing the song, and then the car will take you back to the hotel. It'll all be easy. No worries. I and I'm like, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> it's a hard sell job. <laughs> What a cow, huh? And, and thankfully you did, right? I'm so glad I did it. Yeah, I'm so glad I did it because we had such an amazing time. We hung out for like five hours. He let me get bring um, Chris, uh, my guitar player, uh, to the show with me. He it, Chris came and met us, and Chris was in like in complete and total joy because he loves the Foo Fighters, and you know, getting to meet and hang out with everybody, he was just he was just thrilled. And so it was a blast, and the audience was so fabulous too. Oh, that's uh, what a, what an amazing story, and great that you know uh, Taylor and 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 Dave Grohl was able to pay it back. I think his kind of his quote was, "This is the yeah, reason. This is the reason are... Taylor is in the Foo Fighters, or something like that." Right? Yep. Yep. He said, "If, if it wasn't for Seth right. Gordon, <laughs> Taylor Hawkins wouldn't be in the Foo Fighters." And uh, that's true. What an amazing yeah. thing to hear! So wonderful, yeah. And Taylor is always like one of my dearest friends like he's never ever been anything less than helpful kind he's done me a ton of favors he always says the nicest things about me he's just a really really great person yeah those guys seem to be uh really great people and just just having an absolute blast all right the uh yeah. the album rats 25th anniversary do you look at those songs differently today absolutely Absolutely, because you know, when you write songs and you 
and you record them, you're in a certain place in your life. It's like having a kid. Right. In a sense. But your kid always you know? staying that same age. Exactly. And it doesn't. And the other thing is that after you play songs live for years, the, the people who come to see them and who know the songs start to add their energy to it. And the songs morph energetically. It's very hard to uh, articulate in words, but it, you're just in a, I mean, you're in, I mean, 25 years later, one would hope one isn't in the same you know, sure. emotional state. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, they completely change. How about the writing process? I'm, I'm sure this is different for every artist. Every person is unique. Yes. So um, is the writing process, does it change? You know, is it a specific routine where you say, I'm going to do this, 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 and then sit down and write a song and I have a routine? Or is it just random? Sometimes no. a song pops in your head and you got to write it down. Yeah. Uh, in my case, I usually usually don't just randomly write songs. I write songs for a, a purpose, which sounds so so clinical, but it isn't when you're actually doing it. But I wouldn't. I'm not going to like hang up with you and go write a song <laughs> because I have no no reason to. Right. I, I like to have a project in mind, right? And then I'll start gathering all the uh, components necessary to realize it. So, it like for example, on the new record on Rebel Moon Blues, there's one song that we wrote, and we and I we specifically gone said to her, let's write a song, let's have one original song at mm -hmm. least on this on this uh, collection. And so we went okay, and that was like okay, let's write a song now. But once you start writing the song, it, it, it's completely about the song. You know, it's not because, oh, I have to do this for that. You know, right. it, it becomes a, an artistic process. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think for everybody it's a little different. Uh, you know, for for you know, the creative process, when I'm trying to uh, come up with an idea for a show or something, sometimes it hits me in the shower, and I'm like, okay, how do I write this down yeah. now? I try not to forget about it. But have you ever had that moment where you're out yes. shopping or something, and then boom, the yeah. light, the idea hits you? What do you do then? Yes, absolutely. Oh, I'll, I'll either, I'll, I usually will put it in my notes on my phone. Like right. it's usually always a, t a title or I want to write a song like, you know, Jethro Tull's uh, Bungle in the Jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to write a song like that. You know, th that is also a, a great source of inspiration for me is other songs that I love. That's true. Well, we're celebrating Canada Day with Canada's Queen of Rock, and I want to do word association with you, Sass, about some <laughs> other Canadian uh, female artists. And uh, I'm going to start with Anne Murray. Authentic. Biff Naked. Fun. Jan Arden. Hilarious. Uh, yeah, she does have a show. Uh, Celine Dion. Angelic. Shania Twain. The People's Singer. Oh, I like that one. Nelly Furtado. Sassy. Mm. K.D. Lang. Love. Avril Lavigne. Young. Luba. Luba. Whoa. <laughs> Genuine. Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, but that's back to that angelic thing there, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Works uh, for two people. Yeah, 
two people. <laughs> uh, Alanis Morissette. Clever. Alana Miles. Black Velvet. <laughs> there you go. Diana Krall. Introverted. Chantel Kreviazic. It's songs. And the final one, Joni Mitchell. The Queen. I would agree. Also, we talked about uh, the last waltz. Festival Express is another great one, if anybody hasn't seen one, where they take that train across Canada and you know play all these great shows and Grateful Dead and, and, and everything. And, and of course, uh, Joni Mitchell is, uh, is phenomenal, but it's Janis Joplin who is in that one. But uh, some of these great Canadian movies with great Canadian artists, I think people should really uh, be checking out right now while they have the time. Yes. And it's Canada Day. It Come is. On. Sass, thank Represent. you so much for joining me on this uh, Sports and More, the and more portion that I'm really loving so <laughs> much more than just always talking sports. Happy Canada Day. Woo. Best of luck uh, with uh, whatever else you do. And I hope we can someday chat again and I can see you in Edmonton oh. soon. My pleasure. I had a blast. Thank you so much, Steve. Roly poly baby, don't clench your teeth. Be yourself and breathe deep. This is the Sports and More podcast no with Dean Millard. To a long life. So do not lie and do what's right. Always have humility. But do your best to succeed. What a great chat with Sass Jordan, Canada's queen of rock. And big thanks also to Sweet Bejesus, who played us out of that interview with Roly Poly Baby. That from their debut album, Policeman's Creek. You can find it on Apple Music. Speaking of great Canadian bands, Christian Gutzis and Kevin Dabbs make up sweet but jesus and i hope there's a follow-up album as well there's so many great songs we're gonna we're gonna play beach bag from them at the end of this uh podcast so make sure you stick around and check out what is uh, a great song with an interesting story uh, but right now uh we do have something fun it is the ultimate franchise fantasy sports poll question this is a serious message Peace and love, peace and love. All right, uh, Ringo helps us out as we present the UFFS poll question. So earlier we were talking about Canadian bands and artists and still love to get more of those from you. We'll try to get to them as we roll along here. Um, But now I want to ask you, who is your favorite SCTV actor? Let's celebrate Canada Day with highlighting one of the greatest productions Canada has ever had. It's such an amazing, awesome, comedic show. And there's some comedic legends that came out of it. So I knew this was going to happen, and and I'm not uh, that sad about it. I used to have a segment called Great John Candy Characters, and that might come back in some form. Uh, But your choices are John Candy, Catherine O'Hara, Andrea Martin, or Eugene Levy. Obviously, I'm going with John Candy. Number two, I'd go with Andrea Martin. I just loved her whack. Like when she was like the cleaning lady and this is the wacky characters that she played, the landlady. And oh my goodness. Uh, I love Catherine O'Hare and I love Schitt's Creek with uh, Eugene Levy. So he's getting the number two vote by everybody. But John Candy, 76.1% of the vote. 
Eugene Levy with 18.3, 1.8% for Andrea Martin and 3.7% for Catherine O'Hara. You can have your vote on that at Duck Millard on Twitter and uh, write in votes are uh, encouraged and, and welcomed. Uh, like I, I want to know for, for you, like if there was somebody I missed, maybe there's somebody on, you know, like Dave Thomas, uh, uh, Rick Moranis, um, you know, there's, there's so many, uh, great characters on SCTV and, uh, Will Henderson replying with all due respect to the fantastic Eugene Levy. And he has just a gif of John Candy waving from planes, trains, and automobiles, which is, I don't want to get too verklempt, uh, talking about that talked amongst yourselves i'm a little bit clipped uh so anyway i'm going with uh john candy uh in that one for sure but you can have your say uh, at duck millard um as for some of the responses that we got for canadian musicians uh top three lists uh the headstones corblun and gordon lightfoot from uh last visible dog uh, Hans Stamer Band with both Eddie Patterson and Pat Coleman. Mandela with George Oliver, Opportunity, and Seeds of Time from Thomas Sperling. Brian Adams, Loverboy, and Kim Mitchell from Dog Rocker 44. There's some old school bands. Uh, Loverboy, that was a that was a pretty cool Canadian band. Uh, Steve Boddington says Colin James, Hans Stamer Band, and Mandela. Uh, Cam Levins is... Uh, you know, he says, listen, I consider myself a positive person, but this is nearly impossible. So he goes, uh, number one, the hip. Number two, Neil Young. And uh, number three, he has a tie. Sam Roberts, Rush, Nickelback, Bare Naked Ladies, Headstones, Guess Who, Sheepdogs, Ashley McIsaac, Steppenwolf, Tea Party, Loverboy, Gordon Lightfoot, Monster Truck, BTO, Kim Mitchell, The Rec Laws, 5440. Uh, and he ran out of characters. Uh, Van Banana just put uh, a picture of a, uh, a five-cent coin, the, the beaver, uh, with a arrow uh, pointing at the uh, other side of the uh, coin and said, like, if you get this, which is Nickelback, five point, five, uh, nickel on the back. Rush, Rush, and Rush from Rick Holmes. Uh, Red Rider, Tom Cochran, the Guess Who, Shania. Uh, so some really good ones. The Hip getting a lot of votes uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, lots of great Canadian artists out there. Uh, we can celebrate them without fighting about uh, one not supporting the, the the oil sands or the others. So uh, when when they start doing terrible, terrible things, other than just trying to, in their opinion, save the environment, um, we can certainly discuss. But I would love to uh, hear more from you on that. All right, uh, before we wrap up, let's do perfect player. This is where I take, uh, and I want you to take, uh, three athletes uh, from whatever uh, the platform uh, that we're doing that day is and combine them to make the best player. So perfect player today is Canadian goalies. It's Canada Day tomorrow. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, it's already Canada Day. So I want to know your three Canadian goalies that you would mix together to make the perfect player. Uh, George B says, uh, Patrick Waugh for reflexes, Carey Price for mental calmness, and Fuhr uh, for compete. Um, yeah, I would probably actually, uh, I, I'm going to have two of those guys in my top three as well, but Grant Fuhr is for a different reason. Uh, Colin Livingston says, uh, Dino, that moment in a cup final between Patty and Sandstrom is one of my favorites ever. I used the gif uh, picture of Patrick Waugh doing the wink to Thomas Sandstrom in the 93 
Cup Finals. And uh, Brian uh, Lehenef says, of all the saves St. Patrick made, this may be my funniest thing he ever did. Just encapsulates his attitude and arrogance. Love it. And it did. It was it was crazy. And then there's the the like the Statue of Liberty where he thought he had the puck in the glove and he didn't. It went in. So it bit both ways for Patty Waugh. But he is in my top three. When I'm taking, I'm, I'm, here are the three Canadian goalies I'm going with. Patrick Waugh, because of his uh, his confidence, and cockiness, I want all of it. Um, and his, you know, he was fast, and he came up and he did things that people hadn't seen before. Uh, he was a, a little bit strange, and and he was he was brash. And the quote with Jeremy Roenick is maybe the best quote of all time. So I want his competitiveness, his cockiness. Grant Fear, I want for his calmness. Uh, Grant Fear, if you talk to some of the, the the former Oilers, and I've had the privilege of being able to do that. And I, and I really look forward to one day getting Grant Fear on this show. But if you talk to him, like in, you know, you ask somebody that was on the ice in Canada Cup 87, you know, when the Russians were scoring their fifth goal, Grant Fear was as laid back as if they were up 5-1, not down 5-2 or whatever. And, and, you know, Wayne Gretzky has always said Grant might have let in four, but he wasn't going to let in five that night. He always made the save. And I talked to Kelly Rudy recently about... Mike Keenan not pulling Grant Fuhr. Like if there was ever a time to pull Grant Fuhr, it's in Canada Cup 87. They're down three nothing early. Mike Keenan, the guy he would be going to, was his guy, Ron Hextall, who had just won the Conn Smythe in a losing effort against the Oilers. And they still kept Grant Fuhr in and they won. And he made some huge saves. So you want I want Grant Fuhr because his ability to stop the next one. And stay calm while doing it. Never did I ever hear of a story where Grant Fuhr lost his composure. And the third guy, I'm going with Glenn Hall. From right here, near me, just outside of Edmonton, in Stony Plain. This guy played over 500 straight games. So I want that guy's durability. I want that guy's drive. I want that guy's competitiveness to say, I don't need a day off. I don't want a day off. Let me keep playing. That guy, that's, that is the most impressive record and streak out there. Bring them all to me. Drop them on my doorstep. They're, they're all not good enough, as good as Glenn Hall playing over 500 straight games. So that's why I want Mr. Hall with Mr. Fuhr and Mr. Waugh to make the perfect player. Today was a, a pretty perfect show to uh, be able to interview uh, Canada's Queen of Rock, Sass Jordan, and that story she told about Taylor Hawkins. You know, the, 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 the Foo Fighters have a drummer. The quote from Dave Grohl is, you know, this is uh, paraphrasing, this is the reason da- Taylor Hawkins is in the Foo Fighters is Sass Jordan. So that's a great story. I appreciate that. We'll have one-timers with her uh, in a couple of days as well. You can check it all out at uh, sportsandmore.ca. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe and uh, leave a me review. It really helps to make the show better when I know what you think as a listener. And it helps us, obviously, uh, get our rating up uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and you're able to rate um, and give us a review. It would be much appreciated. If you'd like to be a part of the show as an advertiser, please let me know. Sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That's sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. Big thanks to Sass Jordan. 
Big thanks to Eric Alper for helping uh, facilitate that interview as well. As I leave you, here's a little ditty from Sweep of Jesus from their debut album, Policeman's Creek. It's called Beach Bag. Playtime is over. Out, I'm in love with my lover The sun being down It's time to take cover So I stab the west sand With the umbrella Gonna find the perfect time To tell her Zigzags Loose change And a brand new Diamond ring Bottom of a beach bag Love you so true Shutter open for the rest of the day Gonna capture every single move that she make Hash crumbs, a hair elastic And a brand new diamond ring The bottom of a beach bag So head redneck Invading space all over my girlfriend He's trying to flirt with her, touch her and all up and down She's holding her own as his buddies are holding me down Fresh rounds of silencer and my nine millimeter friend Bottom of a beach bag Sweet lead, blood red, they dead Yeah 
up the beach bag 